Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. <laughs> the attack of Atamanic continues. Oh, no way. Yeah, we didn't get to any of our usual questions in either of our shows with Anthony Atamanic, so... We're making it a trilogy. Perfect. It's Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday, March 2nd, but this app will not be out until March 10th, 2023. We had to bank an episode because, uh, uh, well, now you're listening to it, I can tell you that uh, I was on a cruise. (laughs) Or I am on a cruise while you're listening to this. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing. Let's go to work. Hello, Anthony Atamanik. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back (laughs) to Dreams We Take It Out. I know, man. This really is like uh, some Sisyphusian uh, stuff happening right now. This is like <laughs> if that guy, what's the documentarian that makes all the PBS, Ken Burns? Yes. This is like if Ken Burns did a podcast about Anthony Atamanik, it would be <laughs> way more parts, parts than necessary. And but, it would be uh, as popular as, as Ken Burns's Shakers documentary. What was that? He did a like four part documentary on the Shakers, which were the religious group that, uh, you know, unfucked themselves out of existence. Is that like the shortest uh, amount of parts he's ever done? Because isn't like the baseball <laughs> and the jazz ones like 50 parts each or something? Yeah, I think this was like early Ken Burns. But, you know, that was the big thing. Like in New England furniture, you got, you know, a shaker, like, like a shaker chair or a shaker bookshelf or whatever and it's because these people didn't have sex and they just uh built furniture and then eventually they died off did they live in shaker <laughs> heights yeah of course they did the battle four <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of that uh that was a project runway not project runway project <laughs> i wish it was a project, project runway. <laughs> excuse me but where's shaker heights I meant the Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon, barely, barely show up show. uh, That was the one that green light. That was what introduced um, Shia the beef. That was like the big. He was already right. Well, he was a actor. He was a teen actor already. He had been on uh, even Stevens and won daytime Emmys and stuff like he was. He wasn't like a neophyte or anything. 
but he's definitely you know brought up uh, in kind of a weirdo hippie showbiz family and uh apparently had a fairly yeah. abusive father but yeah. that's no excuse uh it's no excuse for being the beef i mean i <laughs> A crazier person you probably never meet, but uh, what a terrific actor when he gets his shit together. This um, is true. You know, <laughs> I love that uh, Peter yeah. Butterfalk. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of those crazy, I mean, a lot of those people, uh, the, you know, a lot of the great actors are batshit. So, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. right. Yeah, it's true. They're really uh, not shy about uh, displaying their feelings. And, uh, <laughs> behaving in weird ways like just his method stuff that he's done over the years like when he did that tank movie fury and he like removed an entire tooth it's like you don't have to disfigure yourself like i didn't like that movie better because he took a tooth out well that's the what's that's the famous interview with um what's his name in dustin hoffman uh uh, yeah goldman sir lawrence olivier and he's like why don't you just he's just act boy just act (laughs) Yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> no, that was uh, yeah, no. that that uh, William B- Goldman book about screenplay writing uh, just is so juicy because it just goes on and on about Dustin Hoffman not wanting to play, not wanting his character to have like to have a flashlight in the nightstand next to him in bed because that you know that implies the character is some sort of scaredy cat who needs a flashlight, but uh, you know they need it in the scene, so but they still have to stand around arguing about it. I mean, a lot of Tootsie is comes from, I think, you know, Dustin Hoffman's crazy method approach and, uh, you know, making yeah. fun of it, making fun of himself. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's get these questions going that we ask everybody <laughs> except for you. Yeah, this you is why I'm exercising brevity. Yeah. You got through two episodes without answering any of our questions, which uh, to me means you must be really good at like if you're like being interrogated. Or like, <laughs> if you're lying to try to like get into another country or something, uh, I bet you're really good at like just changing the subject and uh, you know talking yes. your way in. I yeah, I've I've escaped uh, I've escaped a cocaine possession charge at the border of uh, Italy and Switzerland, <laughs> 1995. That way, see, I knew you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like the type. <laughs> but that's it. I'm not going to expound on the story. I I want to know these questions. Yeah, we're keeping it streamlined. (laughs) And the first question, we already got a little bit of field because it's it's really irrelevant, but I've become fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, how many tattoos do you have? I have zero tattoos. What? Yeah, I have none. What what kind of creative (laughs) soul like yours goes tattooless? It's funny. My dad has like four. Uh, but, uh, I just never, you know, every time I would start to think about what a tattoo I would get, I'd be mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I don't know. If that, do I really want that on me for, you know, the rest of my life? And I go, no, I don't want that. So I've, I've gotten up to the point of thinking about it. I've always wanted to have a one, three, seven. That's the big, I wanted to have a one, three, seven somewhere on me. And, uh, but it's not a, out of any conviction, um, mostly out of, I would say laziness um and uh maybe a fear of pain <laughs> right so something like you thought of something that's fairly simple like it doesn't have to be multiple colors or very big just one three seven 
just one three seven, just a small yeah. one three seven somewhere on my body. Who knows? And, which and, which and is the police happen. code for murder? No, it's <laughs> the uh, it's the the fine structure constant. It's the most uh, uh, mysterious number in all of physics. <laughs> really? Oh yes. my god! One over one three seven. Yeah. Wow. It's Wolfgang Pauli, the famous physicist who did therapy with Carl Jung for ten years, and that was what blew Jung's mind open to create his theory of collective unconscious and synchronicity and so on. And they both in informed each other because Wolfgang Pauli is sort of the father of, of quantum mechanics. He was the person who came up <laughs> with the fine structure constant, which allows for most of the uh, theoretical physics, uh, quantum mechanics that we do today. And uh, he famously was afraid of the number one, three, seven. And uh, he was in the hospital and they wanted to put him in room one, three, seven. He started freaking out and saying, I'll die. I'll die. And he died. He died the next day. Whoa. Put him in that room. Sorry, I was only laughing as you started to unfold that because I was like, there's no way we get through the question. I <laughs> know that's it. I'm doing I'm, that's the short answer. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have to do a set tonight. And I was like, how am I going to fill five minutes? How about that? <laughs> how crazy is that? So yeah, that's all you how I do think is to ask somebody in the audience what they do for a living. I bet you'd go off right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it feels like, you know, and it's not, a, it's not I'm saying it like it's a bad thing, but you, it feels like you have you could talk on any subject. Yeah, know? I'm a bullshit artist. Yeah. 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 I, I love it. And uh, the, the the fact that we got uh, such a long answer out of uh, the fact that you have zero <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> there is no tattoos to talk about, and we still talked about it for a while. Hey, he's coming impressive. to Austin. It's impressive. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a um, tattoo with you in Austin. Yeah. What it. number? What number would you get, Doug? Oh, sixty-nine. If you're both sure getting now. numbers, you're going to get sixty-nine. Really? <laughs> no. I mean, what disgust! What disgust! I feel like I. I feel like Doug, you uh, like your whole kind of approach to tattoos is picking something that's like borderline, Random. like that you might be embarrassed by. <laughs> like you almost do that to yourself on purpose. Yeah, it's all goofy, dumb, kind of in the moment tattoos for the most part. Yeah, yeah, that's the. the, the so yeah, the best Anthony was like, "All right, let's do it." I'd be like, "All right, I guess I'm getting a sixty-nine, and I would do it." Yeah, that's fine. All it's right. just permanent. Yeah, let's let's make a make a plan. Anthony, have you ever seen the movie Room Two Three Seven? Of course, I have. Yeah, yeah. What'd you yeah. make of all of that? Did you feel like uh, it, it was have, uh, too much? It was too well. It it's yes. It's one of those things where um you go to buy mushrooms from the guy who sells you mushrooms in college, and it's a fun conversation for the first fifteen minutes. Right. And then an hour and a half in, you're like, I really want to leave and do these fucking shrooms. And you clearly have done yours. Uh, I just think that like there there was a couple of interesting ones, but I, I think it was I think people found it more profound and I found it more lazy personally, because I think there's a lot of things to think about with Kubrick, especially eyes wide shut. What happened to that missing 20 minutes um, sort of. The world he shows and eyes I'd shut in the sort of the the Epstein world that that unveils. I feel there's a lot of other Kubricky conspiracy stuff that's more interesting than some of the things that they discussed in the film. That's what I would say. But it wasn't yeah. terrible. But it was okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's but it's it's really um, 
it has to be feature length film. So they yeah. just go to these, you know, room of two, three, seven societies where people sit around and just go off about uh, these things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some of it, it just gets so, it gets so deep. I mean, you know, obviously the shining is, uh, you know, there's definitely some stuff in there that, uh, you know, maybe nobody yeah. will ever understand, but also to try to make something out of every little, you know, every little poster on the wall in the background, you know, like, yes. like, why is there a poster for skiing when the entire place shuts down for ski season anyway? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's like, because well, I mean... <laughs> it's either there because he's fucking around or it's there because people didn't think. Yes. And you also know? remember, people who know semiotics, they also purposely put things in there to fuck with people like like Kubrick knew mm -hmm. semiotics. He understood symbols. And so. Yeah. He was purposely, I think, seeding his films sometimes with stuff, you know, imagery, because also that's the whole point of semiotics. It reaches a point of human understanding that's deeper than our conscious understanding. And that's where we assign value to these things. And so people who can manipulate symbols in ways that trigger that part of a person evoke an emotional response without having to convey it through the traditional means. So, you know. I don't know. The Calumet thing was my favorite because Calumet's just a regional baking powder. And they, and so people got all like, like, wowed about the Calumet, you know, Indian on the on the thing. And I get that, you know, maybe there's a reference to this massacre, but I think it's also just regional misunderstanding, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like Arrowhead Waters in the West Coast and Poland Springs in the East. And so, yeah, of course, Arrowhead looks mysterious to someone who's never fucking seen it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it goes on and on. And then did you watch the uh, have you ever seen a screening of the shining where they play it backwards and forwards at the same time? No. And mm. uh, they play they overlap it over. They, they basically have two images, the movie mm -hmm. playing from the back to the front and the movie playing front to the back. Uh, over each other, and you mm -hmm. watch the whole, you know, and this is kind of a weird sound design where it's you know a little of both, but you know, especially if you've seen the movie before, you always you always pretty much know what's going on. Sure, but but there's just these weird you know moments that happen when it's synced up like that that just like you know people think are amazing, and I just thought it was oh that's just you know that's just what's going to happen when you're watching the movie forwards and backwards over itself. Yes, is that there's going to be some interesting, you know, it's just like the whole thing about, you know, what music you should play, like Dark Side of the Moon, you should play it while watching Wizard of Oz or some shit. Yes. And it's like, yeah, some things will sync up because that's how music works. Like sometimes yeah. the beat is going to hit <laughs> yeah. a moment where they cut from one thing to another. Well, you know? everything it also I syncs mean... up to Passenger 57. It syncs up to anything because everything is <laughs> measured on the human heartbeat. Like every, I mean, this is my father's a drummer, and he would always say that. I go, yeah, you know, this really. But you have a parent who's a musician, and and be like, oh, this is so weird how this syncs up. And he's like, yeah, it all syncs up. It's your heartbeat. Every beat is ultimately based on the human heartbeat. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Sorry, Dad. Dude. Thanks. Like, oh, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> oh my God! I'm glad we're not talking to him today. Oh, um, <laughs> you want to see someone who'd make your you'd have a seven parter with my dad. You think I'm like oh, a wow. weakened version of my father. My father can talk. <laughs> Is his name Phil or Buster? No, Larry. Uh, <laughs> but that's very funny. <laughs> uh, 
Please refresh my memory, Anthony. Yes. In the previous episodes where we talked to you, did you reveal to us your middle name? Uh, I didn't, but I just did, which is Lawrence. Okay. L-A-W? Yes. Bringing down the Lawrence. A la A-L-A. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that, Lawrence, as a middle name? I mean, do middle names even matter? Uh... I think that I used to think, I guess it sort of sounds like Anthony Lawrence, Atamanic sounds very, I guess, I don't know. I guess it sounds sort of formal. I thought at some point of getting rid of my last name based on what we've heard in past episodes. So I thought maybe I'd just call myself Tony Lawrence and that would be my oh, name. But that sounds like a fake name or a lounge name. Like that does. sounds like a lounge singer or yeah, or just a, uh, a British person with a scarf. Yeah, or Tony Larry. <laughs> Tony Larry. Larry. The worst name in the world. Is anybody whose last name is Larry? <laughs> what a weird last name. Hi, my name's Tony Larry. Nice to meet you. What? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lawrence. I haven't really thought. I will say that I, I know last names aren't that important because you know how when you fill things out online or, or whatever and it gives you the option to put your your middle name? I yeah. never, I never do it. I'm always like, no, yeah. I'm not wasting that extra character typing time. Yeah, or well, whoever sees your work there is like probably thinks this is a man of mystery. Exactly. <laughs> this is, not since Harry S. Truman have I been so intrigued. Another great card uh, player. He was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? Like what kind of cards? He used to play Hold'em. He used to play seven card Uno. stud, five card stud. Uh, and he used to uh, go visit the sh- naval ships and uh, play cards with the uh, officers. Oh, so they probably played war. <laughs> they played war, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the hours I spent playing war, I cannot get over. With, I feel with like I feel grandma? like most of the appeal was no with other kids. I feel okay. like most of the appeal was just uh, you know that it was called war. You know, like it was like, hey, let's play war. You know, it just sounds like you're gonna like. You know, put on helmets and shoot at each other. Yeah, and so that sounds fun. And then it's just uh, whose card is higher? No, I played it with my over grandmother. and over again. Oh, yeah, that is a good grandparent game. I played more complicated uh, card games with my grandparents for some reason. We right. got into like uh, rummy, like Liverpool rummy. Oh yeah, or cribbage. Used to love cribbage. That's I never cribbed. I never cribbaged. Cribbage uh, is you get into it. Once you get into it, you're like, oh shit! I get why people are into cribbage. Yeah, they're all <laughs> they're all so weird though. Like my grandfather was really into Othello because I, you know, he was good enough at it that he, you know, win most of the time. So it was always fun to, you know, do, hold that over me or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I, there's so many of those games that it just feels like there's just a certain you know, thing you need to learn and then you're going to, you're going to only be as good at as is at it as the person you're playing is bad at it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's most games, right? That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. That is a good point, but I don't know. It just feels like looking back on those, they feel like they were time wasters as opposed to monopoly sort of makes you have to deal with all sorts of different, you know, skill set oh, yeah. sort of things or clue. I like clue because of the redu- the having to reduce down the information. 
Right, but you never got like you never got the kinds of clues that characters get like in actual movies and stuff. No. It was no. more just having to be like, well, it's not this person. It couldn't be that person because they were over there and you know, it's just kind of narrowing it down based on the details that Well, then there was the, like fucking the game sorry. sorry which sucked. <laughs> sorry was like shit. And sorry was always in a um like a, you know, uh, a rec room or something, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And just a lot of like people love to yell sorry. Like they really love to yeah. rub it in when you, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. so many just, of the games like these days, I don't even know if there's games out there that you see the commercial so much that you you're into yelling out the thing they yell in the commercial. I don't, I don't know if that happens anymore. No, I don't think those do those games even like, I don't even think there's a market for that. Like they, exist, I don't know. Like do they still have pop games. Like, can you still, you know, get a yeah. trouble in Pop-O-Matic. Oh, I yeah. Think that the surgery one. Yeah. Trouble, I think, is still exists Pop-O-Matic. And I think what's the one, the surgery one? Operation. Um, oh, Operation. operation. Yeah. I've seen an ad for Operation, like a recent, you know, more yeah. recent than I would think. We trouble definitely. That game, that game you lose the little rubber band. That's supposed oh, to don't. be the uh, which, which <laughs> thing is it supposed to be like uh some part of your body's got a little rubber band in there. Like the kidney or the spleen. <laughs> no. <laughs> what were you going to say, Doug? Oh, during lockdown, we definitely got some uh, some board games. So they're all out there still. Which all of those that we just mentioned? We definitely got Operation and, oh, God, what's the one where you all You went the to the store and bought up? board games during the crisis of our lives? <laughs> Yeah, we wore masks at the store. And sure. They were, yeah. But you really, you really <laughs> went out for the you went out for the essentials. <laughs> well, they, yeah, you know, like really when, you, when, when, up board when you were deep into it and we were all, you know. Yeah, boring. I mean, their fun. perfect board game has never been named more aptly than during the pandemic. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. We're bored. There's a great game games. called Five Crowns. There's a card game called Five what? Crowns. That's fun. Karma. That's a fun one. Karma's a fun card game. My aunt and uncle love like different like themed card games. Like they're like these weird, totally new rules, totally different decks of cards. So yeah, that's fun that when the cards are different. I don't like it when I just acquired recently a um, a New York City Skyline chess set. And oh. I but when they're once they start moving around the table, I don't know which one's supposed to be a horsey and which one's supposed to be a, a castle because they're all oh, buildings. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah, they're that's too much. <laughs> that's too that would be too too much rewiring there. To do. Yeah. It's a, it's fun to it's fun to look at initially, but then playing it's weird. Although I would have the cover that I'm terrible at chess to begin with. So I'd just be like, I <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Even if they were the it's normal pieces, what the worse. fuck's happening? Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, All I'm right, not. So... I'm I'm pulling off the the diversion bandwagon. <laughs> um, so the flow of your name and your initials, we all agree they're, they're, uh, that that works. Nothing to worry about yes, the there. Godlike, yeah. <laughs> ALA sounds like uh, sounds like some sort of. Uh, Nonprofit organization that does good things. Um, yeah, you know, you know. I always like my company ALA. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I should start telling people if they're like, you don't do shit. 
you talk a big game politics wise, but you don't do shit. I'll be like, I donate to ALA. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm the biggest supporter of ALA, and uh, you can you know you can look that up if you want. The American um, Liberation Alliance. Oh, okay. So you, that's <laughs> sure, what you're out there trying to do is liberate Americans. Yeah, I'm trying to liberate liberate Americans from their from the tyranny thoughts. of yeah day to day life. Uh, yeah, day to day. You know, I mean, I've become a hard sort of weird, you know, right winger libertarian since the pandemic. You know, it's been sort of a big change for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really aggressive. I'm really big into alpha male stuff, all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, ALA is sort for alpha. <laughs> alpha, lame alpha. <laughs> <laughs> what about let's do the history of your nicknames. Um, We may have touched upon these earlier in the earlier episodes, but as a child, did people, everyone just called you. Ant-Man was the big one. Ant-Man. That's right. It was Ant-Man Twan because I was in French class and it was Antoine, but then people would call me Twan. Hey, Twan. Right. So there was Twan Ant-Man. And then the weirdest one, which still I have friends who I don't see particularly often, but they'll call me the name Honey. H-O-N-Y. Right. Now this is ringing some bells. Okay. So I got a letter from a women's. This was in high school. And I got like a letter from like a women's like scholarship fund that was like, you should apply, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I couldn't. I opened the letter first and was like, what is this? And then realized that they had removed the T and it was Ann Honey. And they thought my name was Ann Honey. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but Anne with one N, which is I don't know of anyone who spells their name Anne with one N. So I told a few friends in school. I brought the letter. And of course, I thought it was just so brilliant at the time. I was like, isn't this fucking so funny? And uh, and then people would call me Anne Honey. And then it shortened to Honey, which is probably the weirdest Stony. I got a lot playing cards. So Stony, Twan, Ant-Man, Honey. Those are the nicknames. <laughs> basically stony playing cards because you're like holding up the game a lot no you'd think it was because <laughs> i was high it was because i was stone-faced it was because no <laughs> all right stony <laughs> do you like uh you don't like wear the sunglasses when you're playing poker do you no i don't give a shit about any of that yeah i, I, I like, like wearing cards. sunglasses all the time so like the fact that you can yes. sit there and have them on while you're playing poker with bunch of strangers i just love that because I, I love not having to make eye contact with anybody and also you know poker rooms are so bright for the most part you know so i yes. I, I like the uh you know bringing my own shade and putting it right on my eyes well you know you're in california so you're wearing sunshine uh, uh sunglasses more often although i will say i am also a bit of a roy orbison i basically wear sunglasses whenever i'm outside because uh, yeah. I read an article about ocular cancer like 10 years ago. And I was like, well, <laughs> I better wear sunglasses for the rest of my fucking life. Um, uh, but when I go in the casino, usually it's at night. So I, I'm not I don't bring them with me. And I'm I'm, you know, in New England where I'm not wearing a, if I'm going, I'm going to the encore or whatever. Uh, so, no, I don't. But I don't like put the hood up or or any of that stuff. I was actually playing cards with some friends last night. And I told them I got this shit look from people. And I realized now and I knew I was doing it at the time, but there was like a core group of us who had been playing for about five hours at a cash table. And we were all pretty friendly. And this guy next to me was a younger guy. And he had a very clear tell, like a very clear tell. 
And uh, this group of sort of assholey people came to the table who were just a little too serious about game theory and stuff. And it's a dollar three table. It's not like it's like, you know, you're making a lot of money. And so I was getting kind of tired of these assholes. And so this guy was in the hand with the guy and he called him off. And so I turned to him and I said, you know, you have a tell. And everyone got so pissed at the table. <laughs> and I went, your tell is, I said, you put your hand over your neck on your right side. And I think it's because you're covering your artery, which is like pulsing like a mad person. I said, so I would either pull your collar up or I would just keep your hand on your neck because you're showing everyone when you have a hand, you know, what's what's going on. Yeah. And like uh, getting excited mad like dog at me. People were tail. so mad at me at the table. But I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Wait, that's it. not how you should be getting money out of somebody is by figuring out something, you know, so obvious like that and taking advantage of it. Unless the guy's being a jerk, you know, if he's sitting there, you know, spouting a lot of trash, yes. then then that's always fun. But yeah, generally, when somebody's got that obvious of a thing going on, it just seems like it's uh, uh, unfair. Help them out. You know, you never know. Someone might show you some kindness at the table when you need it. So mm -hmm. exactly. It. But OK, I'm not OK. I'm going to stop again. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect, because we need to take a break. We need to go to a, a quick round of commercial advertisements for uh, things that people need and desire. And um, we'll be right back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We're back. <laughs> we're making good time. Uh, uh, I, I, we're, we really are. Uh, I, 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 we're almost on schedule. Um, so did we say what nicknames you have now currently? Or there is, is there anybody in your life that calls you by a nickname? Um, let me see. Is there anyone? I mean, besides my wife's like pet names. Yeah, we like, don't. I don't know if we need to get into that that kind of thing. That well, no, I mean cool. that would be the only that'd be the only nickname, I guess. I'm trying to just think real quick. No, not really, Tony. I mean, Tony's the closest to a nickname now that I yeah. would, that I would say I have. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know, have you ever tried to get a nickname going for yourself that just wouldn't stick? <laughs> I. <laughs> you know, that's such a good that is such a good question, because I know that I have, but I would be at a loss to try to think of what they were, probably because they're so humiliating to even consider <laughs> that I tried to get a nickname going. Um, yeah. Call me. Ace, I, I do think, you know, <laughs> I, I think that I think that I did want to be called double A. Double oh. A. I I remember and I will say there was one person which means like what I think is now I think is like that's really flat chested. No, it sounds like you have really you have extra big little tits. 
<laughs> That's right. Well, extra big little A's bits. They're double A's. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> extra big little tits really does sound like a <laughs> like a fable. They're they're playing um, at South Lake Southwest this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so yes, I I I I remember one person called me double A once, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a good one." And then I would try because it sounded. I think it was a person who, you know, to me, they were like from the streets, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like I want like a fucking hardcore name." <laughs> oh, I did have Tony. I'm sorry, I had Tony Bag of Donuts. That was uh, one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I did have Tony Bag of Donuts from when from my mob from the days when I worked for this mob restaurant, and uh, I used to bring money in a donut bag uh, downtown. Wow. So they really that's very specific. It was a Dunkin' Donuts bag and Nothing it was like the same dirty wax bag. And they go, uh-huh. they go. And I remember Pete went, he goes, <laughs> Big Pete went, hey, <laughs> this guy's Tony Bag of Donuts, you know, and uh, and 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 little Pete, his son was like, yeah, dad. Yeah, dad. That's right. Tony Bag of Donuts. And then everybody would say it, his children and they would all call me Tony Bag of Donuts all the time. So there you go. I forgot about that. It's so I didn't fun when name. people get so tickled by saying a thing that there's nothing, you know, clever about just repeating it over and over again. But they feel like they're really scoring. No, like and I also really think it's funny. like that's that's not even like a creative. I don't think that, I think that's like an already used nickname from like a movie or something. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like it's not even original. No, it's already a, like a mobster reference. It's already from one of the <laughs> yeah. one of the movies. Yeah, they already say that. Well, mobby people tend to do that. Mobby people tend act, like real mobby people tend to actually. It's a weird snake feeding its own tail. Yeah, kind of. Thing. No, that's their world, yeah. but it's also not that you know. It's like they, you know, watching that thing about the making of the Godfather was amazing. How the mafia like doesn't want to doesn't want people to you know think badly of them no uh, but they also want uh, they also want um you know attention you know what i mean they don't want to just quietly go yeah. about their business they want to be flashy <laughs> but also respected and uh not yeah. To, yeah it's it's wild oh, uh, <laughs> that's the italian conundrum really <laughs> yeah it's just so funny how like the, the mafia came to the you know the producer of the movie and was like you know we don't want we don't want you talking about the mafia in a movie. He goes, "What if we don't say the word mafia?" And they they're like, "Okay, like that was all it took yeah. was just." Yeah. So then they just say other shit, Cosa Nostra or whatever, yeah. and uh, yeah. a, a total workaround. It's still clearly the fucking mafia uh, in the story. Yeah. And uh, well, I don't think we ever were, said it. Okay with it. I don't think we ever said it at work, but I do remember. I think I said this before, but there was a guy named the Bishop. And that was always like, he's like, this guy's the bishop. And you're just like, OK. And the whole thing was he looked like a chess piece. They Speaking of your New York chess piece, he looked like a bishop off of a chessboard because he wow. was shaped like one. He was sure shaped like Danny DeVito's The Penguin, basically. Oh, OK. And um, and uh, yeah. And he was, you know, he was a weird guy. But listen, I got to say, uh, uh, you know. I don't know. That's a, always a strange relationship. I mean, they they helped me out with some neighbors who were real problems and uh, got them to get out of the neighborhood. 
<laughs> oh god I, i'm fine with them <laughs> well here's uh the most important question we ask on the show and that is okay. for you to tell us uh, with as much detail as you'd like the about the dugs oh in your the dugs that you've known in your life the closest wow. dugs to you. the closest dugs to me yeah uh okay Let's coming see. to mind other present company excluded who what dugs do you know well the first doug how oh, the first doug that comes to mind actually is a guy named doug gray who was my roommate in college and he was like he had a face like a fucking baseball <clears throat> mitt like he had like a very like crunched up face. I don't know how else to describe him. He had a very crunched up, almost like a he had like a, a, a dust bowl or like a depression era face. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and um, he was a writer and he was like a true like writer guy. Like he was like a Kerouac kind of guy, you know, big drinker, but like could hold his liquor. He was one of those people you were never scared about how drunk he was. Does that make sense? He mm -hmm. just would just get sort of more pickled and he'd write and um, maybe he'd get a little more jolly. And he was there for a lot of my prank, like my college prank phone calls. I had a friend who now is like a producer, you know, a tea, like daytime producer. And at the time, though, he somehow had numbers. I remember I pranked Soleil Moonfry and I pranked <laughs> um, I pranked. Um, oh, God, I pranked. What's his name? Um. Corinthian leather. Um, uh, Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban, right after his spinal surgery. And I'll never forget, he said to me, I called him as Shatner. And after him suffering this bullshit <laughs> for like five minutes, he went, I have had severe spinal surgery and wish oh, no. to get off the phone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this I'll conversation is hurting my spine. <laughs> I'll never forget. He went, I am having severe spinal surgery. And I was like, wow, what an excuse. Um, but Doug and so Doug was great. And then um, he moved to London to go uh, write for a paper. And we lost touch for a bit. But then he moved back to Boston and he would reach out to me from time to time. And he was one of the few people who I was like fond of from my college time. And um and he actually just before the pandemic on March 1st of 2020, I saw him for the first time in probably 25 years or 23 years. Uh, he came and saw the last show that James and I did, which was in Boston. And uh, uh, yeah. And, and so that's Doug Gray, Dougie, as I called him, call him Dougie Gray. Uh, Doug. Well, Doug Mand. Do you know Doug Mand? Oh, he's been brought Doug up Mand? before. He wrote. Doug uh, Mand, oh crap! He wrote a great movie. I can't think of the name. Yeah, didn't uh, he write the movie, the one where the guy goes back to school, like most likely to kill, most likely to murder? Oh something? yeah, uh, most likely to murder. It's fantastic. Like, uh, Adam Pally's in it. Pally's in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Doug did a podcast called Duty Calls, and by the way, I am a multi-parter. <laughs> I have so many shit stories that they ended up having to do two. I shit my pants so many fucking times that they had to have two fucking episodes. God damn it. What's wrong with me? I have no self-awareness. Oh, no, you're fuck. a good guest. You fill the time. Uh, so Doug, you, you make yeah, it Doug happen. Manned, 
Uh, so I know Doug Mann. I mean, I, I, we're acquaintances and kind of friends. I mean, I don't want to insult. I, I don't think he'd be insulted by that. We're, we're it's not like we're super close. If I were Doug Mann, um, I would go Douglas. Douglas man. Douglas yeah, Mann. absolutely. Because Doug man just sounds like a, a superhero, a bad superhero. Sounds like Tony Larry. It's a little too Tony Larry. Douglas man. Tony Larry. I remember then, when, uh, uh, when uh, SNL first started, uh, it was um, people were like, hey, Lauren Michaels, why do the why do all the people that not ready for primetime players? Why do they refer to themselves as their their own names? Like, why aren't they playing characters? And uh, he said, well, because we don't uh, I don't believe in that style of comedy with the funny names. And then his example that I remember was him saying Walter J. Crank case. <laughs> <laughs> Walter J. Crank case. Yeah, like as an example of we don't write that kind of humor. It's like, well, who does? I mean, <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's the Canadian in him. That's the Canadian yeah, in, yeah, in him. Yeah, you know, you know, I used to go to the the Thirty Rock. Uh, I mean, I was an extra in Thirty Rock for seven fucking years, and uh, but we'd have the parties, you know, the rap parties and everything. And Lauren always be there, right? And I would yeah. make it my bit, a committed bit that I did for seven seasons. <laughs> where I would go over, I would look at everybody. And I mean, you know, we were, you know, it was you're on a show for that long. And we were sort of recurring extras. We were called FOTs, Friends of Tina. So we we're sort of like a little folded into the cast. And so I yeah. would like, you know, look at Judah, or whoever, and be like, I'm going to go over and do it. And I would sit down, you know, and Lauren be sitting there and I would sit at the table and I would just talk to him about Canada and like local places in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always be like, yes, you know, OK. And you could just see that he so desperately wanted me to get the fuck out of there. Have I already told this? I feel like I've already told this. And Tina one time came over and I, one time she walked over and like hurried over and was like, OK, like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like get out of here. And I always think about when I did the stage audition for SNL, I was like, wow, I really stacked the deck against myself because he must look and go, that is the annoying man who talks about Canada all the time. <laughs> and I was like, I'll never get this job for a myriad of reasons. But I was like, that is one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, he so didn't want to have that conversation with you every Saturday. Oh, God, no. And I would, yeah, I would really bring up like <laughs> Uxbridge details, you know, uh, young lore, you know, what is, what's it like going down to East Queen? Um, oh, and Doug. Oh, wait. Uh, 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 Doug um, Jones. Doug Jones. Yes. From, uh, the great Star Doug Trek. Jones. Yes. I loved I love Doug Jones so much. And he is truly one of the nicest people. He's like, just you, you know, they people always talk about like people who are really nice, right. And working with or in the industry. Right. And then you like meet mm -hmm. the person and you're like, wow, oh, they were like horrible. Uh, he <laughs> is truly one of the nicest people you've ever met. And my favorite, here's my three sort of favorite things is one. He's uh, just a, a kind, he's a good, like hang around person. Like he's a good person shooting the shit in between takes kind of person. Uh huh. Um, he, uh, uh, I remember the first time I worked with him, was on season one of shadows and he like 
lifts me up. I encounter the Baron out on the street and he lifts me up and, you know, chokes me while I'm like getting some beer. And he was in the Baron makeup and I did like a little prosthetics and stuff as Trump, but like I never really had to do much prosthetic stuff. And I'm staying there listening to him and just under his breath, he just sort of, I think as like a mantra to himself, be like, God, I can't wait to get out of this. Can't wait to get out of this. Like he would just sort of say it to himself, like, oh, this is itchy. This is uncomfortable. And I was like, that must be because he's done so much work. And I asked him about it. I was like, it's like what half is his it life. like? Yeah, this is like, he's like, yep. He's like, it is. It's and he's always balances like being like, I'm very grateful and it's like really great and all that. And he's like, but I'm not going to lie that it's not like a pain in the ass, you know? So I like that he was like honest about it, but not, you know, he was like, you know, not like, oh, it's just the most wonderful thing. It's like, obviously it's not. I mean, prosthetics are a pain in the ass and you have to get up really early and all that. And then my other favorite thing is, you know, he's in, you know, Star Trek Discovery and I'm a huge tracker. And I hadn't watched Discovery. I think I might have said this already, but I'll just say it again, which is I hadn't watched Discovery. And I think I watched it between the last two seasons. So we just were filming five this fall. And I wrote him and I said, I just want you to know you should be grateful. I did not watch Discovery prior to this season. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I will bother you about Trek questions constantly. <laughs> and I did it one time and I could just see the like life leave his eyes. <laughs> I went, all right. I went, forget it, forget it. I was kind of doing it as a bit, you know, like really peppering him with Trek questions. Uh, but he was like, please, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the those are the dugs that come to mind. Those are some, like, some great dogs. That was a great answer. Um, we always ask the guests if, how close they are to people with their own name, but you must be, you must have had a lot of Tonys in your life. Uh, no, my grandfather. Really? Let's see, my grandfather. Um, Tony Bennett. And. I've met Tony Bennett on three occasions. There you go. See, I knew it. <laughs> I sang, I sang um, fly me to the moon with him in a cafe <laughs> that I was closing in Boston. Yes. Okay. I'm going to tell okay, you, you did this. This is your fault. Uh, so, so I used to work at this place called Louis Boston, which was a really like, it was like the Neiman Marcus of, or Bonwitz teller of its time. Like it was like a very famous clothing store in Boston on the corner of Beacon and Berkeley. And they had a cafe and I was the cashier. Okay. So I was just like the cashier. And the best part was I was so broke and it was like a really nice, like fancy food, you know, like Michelin food. And what I would do is I would make up a name every week and I had a deal with the valet and we would split the food and I would do a huge order at the end of like the Friday. And it would be like a made up name. And then probably like Lauren Michaels, whatever that name was that he made up. And uh, then we would put the food out in the, the valet house and then we would just eat and drink off of the restaurant's dime all weekend. Right. So that was one nice thing. But so all these famous people came in there and, you know, I, I met with all met all kinds of people. Uh, John Kerry, uh, former secretary of state and presidential candidate, is a notoriously shitty fucking tipper. Uh, Ted Kennedy was a great tipper. Uh, but <laughs> Tony Bennett was in there like all day and whatever. And he had had lunch there and he uh, 
I didn't know, but someone turned a, like a scarf into lost and found. Right. So I'm cleaning up. It's the end of the night. And the cafe closed a few hours before the the, the store did. And he must have been getting cu- custom fittings because that was the whole thing. It was the only place really, I think it bought besides New York where you could like get a Xenia suit, like custom tailored. And the tailors there had been there for decades or whatever. So he comes into the shop and I'm like, everything's gone. You know, I've t- emptied all the register and everything and put everything away. And he came in and he and he goes, excuse me, you know, uh, have you seen my you know, I left my scarf in here, you know, and I went, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, I go and I was such a cheese ball. And I went, I I, and I had, you know, music playing. I said, oh, what if I, I go, let me put on um, fly me to the moon. And he goes, no, nah, we don't need to. I'll just sing it. And he just started going fly me to the moon <laughs> in the store. And so I started singing with him. And he like gave like a little thumbs up and he didn't do the whole. It wasn't like he sang the whole thing. He sang like a couple of verses while I got the scarf. And uh, but it was like that was like super cool. And then years later, I saw him in a dressing room at SNL and said hello to him and like reminded him of that. And he kind of was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I was on a flight just a few years ago, maybe five years ago. And uh, I think he was going through his stuff and it wasn't public yet that he was sort of starting to decline a bit. But uh, despite how rough it is that he declined, he was declining. Um, we got to the gate at LAX and we were waiting for a long time. We had stood up and they were not bringing the gate out and he was getting a little ornery. And I had not introduced myself this time because I also was like, what am I going to do? Just keep reintroducing myself to Tony Bennett. And his wife was next to him and we were all in first. So he was right in front of me and his wife was like catty corner to me. And she had looked at me a few times because he had made some like audible yelps and he had burped a few times out loud. And she was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I get it. He clearly you could tell was, you know, having a little trouble with public behavior, which happens with people who are like on decline. And uh, but it was funny. I mean, this just was funny. We were staying there for a while and he was like, what the hell's going on here? And then he just lit the loudest. Fart. <laughs> he lit the loudest fart and she went, Tony. <laughs> like that and he turned and looked right at me and just like winked and i was like do it man i was like go for it oh so those my are my God. three tony bennett stories those are my three crazy tony you bennett know stories. farts are dying to get out of you when you're when it's time to get off the plane oh my god you, <laughs> you know what i mean me? like when you're it's walking that way, farts are always coming out at that point because mm-hmm. they they've just been you know You've been surrounded by people, so your farts have been shy. And the second they get a chance yes. to, you know, explore the world. Oh, God well, bless him. And I, yeah, I, I say, like, as someone who steered my Italian grandfather through dementia and everything, like, it, it, this is not a like, oh, isn't that funny that he was like out of it? It's like, you know, it was, it was a shame that you could see he was out of it, but it was a funny moment. And he knew it was funny. Like, he laughed. He, yeah, he yeah, yeah. It was yeah. funny. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, I think know. no matter how bad our brains get, farts are still funny. I met Tony so Danza. Like the- <laughs> okay. All right. Listen. Listen, Anthony. You've been a terrific three-time guest on the show, and you really did it. You really got through uh, you know, all of the questions. 
And, and then uh, at the end of the third one, he made fun of Alzheimer's. And uh... yeah, no. <laughs> so we've really done it all here. Um, you're going to be end. you're going to be at South by Southwest. Yes, I'm going to be at South by Southwest from the uh, well, I'll be there the ninth, but I'm performing the 10th through the uh, 14th. I think I'll be on uh, your show. Yeah. Doug Loves Movies, March 14th and at six o'clock at Esther's uh in uh downtown austin and so if, if yeah. you have a badge or even if you don't you could probably get in but definitely get in if you have a a festival badge do you have anything else you'd like to plug tony i always like to plug coffee with tony twitch.tv slash coffee with tony it's monday through friday 1 p.m eastern and it's just a fun old fuck around so if you want to see me scream and fill an hour five hours a week i do it so there you go um fantastic <laughs> I, we uh, we right. have complete faith in your ability to fill five hours in an entertaining way <laughs> and uh, if i had time to listen to podcasts i'd be uh, i'd be all over it uh doug what have you got to plug friday 310 i'll be at hotel vegas in austin texas on Chris Tellez's comedy portion of a show with a bunch of great bands like Octopus Project. That's Friday, 310 Hotel Vegas. And then on March 24th, I'll be in New Orleans opening for Dan Comins at the Civic Theater. Come on out. Wow. What about yeah, you, Yeah, the, the March 10th is uh, today, if, if people oh, are right. yeah. the day the day this comes out. Um, Douglas Movies is also going to be at South by Southwest on Saturday, March 18th at 420 in the afternoon at the club called Creek in the Cave, also downtown, just a stone's throw from Esther's in downtown Austin. All of my dates and deets are at douglasmovies.com. And uh, thanks again to Anthony Atamanik. And uh, we came up with, or I should say I came up with by myself, uh, the title for uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I will say in a moment. Any any final words, Tony? Uh, this has been quite a journey, and it, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> it was it, very interesting. I feel like this will be something maybe, you know, that uh, will uh, be a record that they can play, I guess, at my death or something. They can play it at my... <laughs> oh, that'd be uh... fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> Just have a, get people together and listen to these three episodes and... Yeah, this feels like the Superman crystal and the and the yeah. the you know it feels like one of the crystals that you slide into the little tube. Yeah, people can get all of the knowledge <laughs> that you that you wanted to share with everybody yeah. uh, via this podcast about names. Yeah. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, well thanks, done. Man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, as always. Doug and Tony show part three, the final chapter.